Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome to Girlfriend It. And Lisa, you had a Nashville experience, left me um, all to myself last week for radio. And um, we, we still laugh today about our Nashville experience. But you spent quite a few days with Dave, Dave Ramsey and his wife. And you had a private concert with Michael W. Smith, which, of course, I'm so jealous because... Um, I, I'm going to date myself, but I go way back with Michael W. Smith and his friends are friends forever. I had that as my wedding song <laughs> as all my friends walked down the aisle and we were all crying. So tell us, how was that? It, and it, well, can't be, it can't be that great because you did it without me. Well, I know. I thought of you because we do have that Nashville experience. When we went there a few a couple years ago, I, I said I owned Nashville because I love that city. <laughs> and I got to have a national experience. And so I, every time I go there, it's such a great, it's such a great city, but yeah, we did. We, um, we got to go and, um, meet up and then we had a private concert, like just 40 of us in a room with Michael W. Smith. And he did not sing friends or friends forever. But he <laughs> to those other songs that were just amazing. It's one of those, am I really sitting here listening to this, you know? So yes. it was really, really cool, but I totally missed you. Totally thought about you. And, um, it was, you know, Nashville's just such a great city. So anyway, I'm back now to a radio back. experience. You're back. Well, I was in San Diego this last weekend with my husband for one of his conferences. And um, you and I were just talking about how your faith has a connection with the world around you. And um, while, while we were there at this conference, he had a conversation with um, another businessman and they were talking about their faith. And the gentleman made a comment about, you know, I'd rather not talk about that because I just feel like my faith is private. It's a private thing. And Kevin had made a comment that, yeah, you know, I can see why it would be a private thing, but then it becomes a point where you're passionate about your faith because you want to know where other people stand because you care about them so much. You want to know if they're going to go to heaven or not. And um, it's interesting because that topic, we're actually going to be discussing today how um, some people can almost be offended. It's like, don't talk about your faith and don't talk about um, politics. And yet, um, you, it's, you, you have to. You have to discuss your faith. Well, I, I know we both are really excited about today's show and just talking about even the tension that sometimes our faith creates in the world around us. And like you said, even with relationships sometimes, and it's a, and it's a tension that needs to be managed and a tension that we need to, to be discussing because there's so much 
um, that our faith can influence in our culture. But before we get too far into our show, into this uh, discussion, we want to remind everyone that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, joining us today to discuss this topic is Sarah Sundin, and she's the author of the Wings of the Nightingale series, as well as the Wings of Glory series. In 2011, Sarah received the Writer of the Year Award for her book, A Memory Between Us. She lives in Northern California with her husband and three children, and when she isn't driving kids around to tennis and karate, she teaches women's Bible studies. So welcome, Sarah. Sarah. Thank you for having me. Well, as you heard, we were we were discussing um, about our weekend conversation, and you have actually talked about this tension in your, your newest book, and um, showing that how many times um, we don't want to talk about our faith between uh, different friendships, and it can actually uh, cause a little bit too much t- tension in a relationship. So, why do you think people are sensitive with discussing their faith and talking about this with their friends? Well, there's so many reasons. Um, now, I live in Northern California, which is not exactly a strong Christian area, so this is something I encounter on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And um, I really have to respect them as human beings because some of them, usually when they're when they're outwardly hostile toward God there is usually some deep hurt inside them. And I have to kind of sit back and wait for something to soften. Mm. And um, likewise, when they have that, you know, please, I just don't want to hear about your faith thing, there's a part of me that has to back off and say, yes, but I'm here for you. And mm. and they know where I'm, I stand. So I never hide my faith. Um, but I'm sometimes careful about when, what to reveal and when and how much to share and how much to push. And it, in my story, Imperfect Time, which it takes place during World War II, and the heroine, Kay Jobson, is not a Christian. And she's had some horrible experiences. And um, she, at one point she says that Christians come in, in three varieties. Those who feel that, um, those who walk around with a can of white paint and want to slather it all over her, and those who feel that she runs around with a can of black paint and wants to slather it all over them so they avoid her. And then you have um, the girls that she felt were her closest friends who were Christians. They carried around the can of white paint, and they offered it to her. Mm. But they stepped back and waited for her to, you know, <laughs> to, to offer it back. And they were always there, but they weren't pushy, and they didn't keep shoving it down her throat because that would have just, that would have just completely driven her away. And then when she does reach a crisis point in the story, um, <laughs> due to God's intervention, because that's how God, you know, God works in his timing, and we have to be sensitive as Christians to that too, and really listening for the Holy Spirit's timing. And when, when God moves in her, time, her life through circumstances and through other characters, she knows exactly who to turn to. Those Christian friends who have been there for her, respecting her as a human being, gently offering her faith, but also backing down when they, they sense that wall go up. And when she's ready, she goes straight to them. So it was a, it was a, it was a fun book to write for that reason. Well, it's very interesting. And, you know, you, you brought up several good points here, but 
a lot of times when we are having a conversation and we, we, we're out to either make a project of somebody or mm-hmm. we have this agenda and we have our own timeline. Like I have to talk to them, I have to get them, and I have to lead them to the Lord like today or tomorrow. Yeah. And so we have this, I'm going to convert them mentality. Well, nobody wants to be a project and nobody wants to be converted. And it really is just simply just talking about Jesus. as Like you said, using discernment in the conversation. But one of the things that's so powerful that a lot of times we um, short circuit is, it's like praying ahead of time. Like God, go before us in this conversation. And, and I know a lot of times Patty and I will you know, pray that God will have them ask us a question. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so a question can just lead to, to some great conversation and dialogue. And if so, not doesn't put somebody on the defense. And so a lot of times, you know, God will do that. Have somebody say, hey, what do you think or whatever? And then you can just open up into this, not with this agenda of I got to convert them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great distinguishing thing that I know a lot of times, even in our growing up, you, you were taught, I got to convert them. Yeah. I got to win them over. And it's like, nobody wants wants that on the other side. And like you said, hearing from, you know, putting yourself in their perspective, what, what are they thinking? Where are they coming from? How would, how were they hearing it? Not just how am I giving it? Yeah. And well, I think it comes down to, you know, once again, respecting them as people and asking questions. And, you know, you know, why do you feel that way about God? You know, do you have any stories to, you know, things that have happened, and you're getting to know them about why they believe what they believe, and then you've got something, you know, to work with to start addressing those concerns and say, well, you know, here's what happened to me, and here's my experience, and, um, you know, sharing gently, but meeting them where they actually are rather than coming to assumptions about, well, they're not a Christian, that means this is this is who they are and this is what they believe, but really digging deep into to finding out what it is, and then you know where their needs are. Well, I, I love that, Sarah, that you're saying, ask the questions. I think that's so significant. And so many times we feel, um, I know our, our sound engineer was even, uh, knowing that we're talking about this topic, has said, you know, I've thought about this so often and I stay quiet unless they ask me for advice. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, and that that's a great, like you said, so you don't feel like a project. And then just asking them, Lisa and I were at a conference one time. We were actually speaking at a conference and a gal walked up with the, the four spiritual laws track and literally never asked me a question. She just <laughs> thought I was there attending the conference and she, she led me to the Lord <laughs> and she was just standing there. This, you know, you're kind of shocked because she just kept going and kept going and kept going. And yeah, I walked away to Lisa and I said, um, I just was led to the Lord. <laughs> and that two minute, that two minute little break there. And, uh, we both started laughing, but, Um, you just, if she, I mean, obviously she was doing that all over the conference and, um, I'm sure people walk away just going, what, what was that all about? So asking the questions, um, to even see, like you said, some of them have, have had that spiritual abuse to where they don't want to have anything to do with Christianity and you need to figure out where they're coming from. Cause it might just be your actions at that point and not the words that you're going to um, talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, and then what happens so many times is we take it in our own hands instead of letting God move Absolutely. and change a heart. We're like, it's about, then it becomes more about us instead of about God. 
and letting God move in his timing and trusting him that, you know, he gets this covered and, you know, he loves that person so much and wants, you know, desires them. So, but we don't have to force and, and we can, we can relax and, and join God instead of saying, God, join me mm-hmm. as I try to, you know, lead this person. Um, and, you know, it, like that story Patty just shared, it, it, it's funny and it's sad <laughs> because yes. that's what we do so many times. We're just so quick to download. It's like, I got to get this out and I have my agenda and we don't take the time to be still and listen to the other person. Well, Sarah, we're going to have to take a break and loving this discussion because this is something that really affects all of us that we really need to think and and really have the conversations about more about what does it look like to really live my faith and to share my faith and what is appropriate. And so we're going to come back, take a really quick break. and We're going to come back with author Sarah Sundin and we're going to talk more about your book. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Join us for Healing with the Marika Method. This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist, homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, Every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back 
to our show, and we are talking with Sarah Sundan, author of Imperfect Time. And uh, we were just discussing the tension that takes place sometimes with, with friends as you're talking about your faith and how so many times we need to ask those questions and not just look at them as they're a project, and we definitely have to win them over to Christ. I mean, obviously, just praying for that conversation to naturally flow and for them to ask you some of the questions. But Sarah, um, in this book, you you have this as a little bit of part of um, of the content, but this is also your final book in the Wings of Nightingale series. Is it sad for you when you complete a series? Um, Because I know as a reader, I literally grieve. I I love, love, love reading books. And when I know it's the last book, I I even want to go slower as I I read it because I don't want to to finish knowing all this stuff about the characters. So is it sad for you when when you're finishing up on a series? Oh, very sad. Writing the last chapter of In Perfect Time was was. Oh, it was very bittersweet, and I'm writing this chapter, and I send the book off to my agent, and she says, well, you know, the last chapter might be a little bit, <laughs> a little bit over-the-top melodramatic. She says, I'll, I'll see what your editor says, and the, my, my editor liked it, and the readers all have the same feeling, that, 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 that how sad it is to say goodbye, and I, I was just telling a friend, it's very, when I'm finishing up a series, it's almost like leaving a town and moving to a new town Mm. because I know my friends are still there, but I'm not with them anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these characters live on in my mind, but in a way they're off living their own imaginary lives without me. And I've moved on to a new town and I'm writing a new series and I'm getting to know a whole new group of characters. And it's, it's an, it's an interesting process when you, when you have imaginary characters in your head. That is funny. And do, are are some of those characters real life people in your world? Oh no no no! I avoid that very carefully. I, I don't like lawsuits. <laughs> so. Yeah yeah. Well, so no, they're all they're all imaginary. Though there are occasional historical figures, but I'm very careful not. I try not to, um, like I say, animate them. I try yeah. not to make them you know actual characters. I, you know I mention them, but I try not to. I don't want to try to – if I portray them, I want to be very careful to get their personality just right and their words just right. Right. And Kay is a character in your book, and um, she's a single woman. Do you think that you know what's going on in Kay with her relationships uh, that our culture can identify with some of her feelings? Oh, yeah. She's um... – I think she's actually a very modern woman. It does take place in World War II, but she's very modern. She wants to be in control. Um, she had a, a very complicated and un, unhappy childhood, and she is extremely independent. She is very capable. She's beautiful and outgoing and intelligent and very driven. So she's in control of her life, or she thinks she is. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the ways she shows her control is that she likes to say she has a boyfriend in every airport. And so she strings men along quite on purpose. And that's her way of saying that she has more power over them than they have over her. And, you know, she tells them when it's over and she decides how many and she never gets too close to anybody. And it's her way of having control. Very, very much like um, like a lot of women nowadays 
where they keep everybody at distance and they're they are in control. But and then usually it takes some something horrible in their lives to show them, oh my goodness, I'm not in control. I am not in control of my life. And for most women, this is you know this is devastating. Mm-hmm. What now? And at least Kay has had friends in her life um, that she can turn to to help her answer those questions when she realizes she does not have control. And um, when our friends are telling her, when she finally comes to them and asks them, you know, <laughs> I want the truth, <laughs> and they start telling her, and she's, she turns to them and she says, does this mean I have to give control to God? And her friend, who's very blunt and outspoken, says, yes. <laughs> yes, you do. And she has to back off at that point and think, think, you know, is she willing? Is she willing to give control to God? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a hard decision for her to make. And, and for all of us, and it really is this continual giving control over to God. It's not a one-time choice, but a daily choice. Of letting him, letting him, well, letting he's already in control, but but acknowledging his control over our lives and and relaxing in that. Mm-hmm. You know what's good is like you're you're hitting a lot of the issues that women that we think about but maybe don't um, are afraid to have conversation about and mm-hmm. and not so wanting to admit I have control issues. I mean, mm-hmm. who wants to say that right out loud? Oh, um, yeah. Much less admit it to yourself. So what's what's cool about like a story like this and like what you put together and the different characters, their emotions, their, their journey, it's, it, it makes it easy for women to identify and even having a conversation. Like you said, that this woman goes to her friends and says, does this mean, you know, X, Y, Z? And they're like, yeah. And, and you know, it's been being able to even use them as an example for conversation and have women read it and, and have a discussion about it. You know, what mm-hmm. did you get from this? Which I, we need to be providing that for women because there is so much, even among women, with the relational tension that really affects our relationship with God. And a lot of times we can't get past certain things in our own life to even see God clearly. And so, you know, even you developing these characters is a great way to have that conversation for women. So as, as a result, if, you know, women are reading this book and other people, what do you want the reader to really learn about this, to apply personally? Like after reading this book, here's, here's some takeaways. Well, I think part of it is, you know, and well, Mm-hmm. Well, two things. As we were talking earlier, um, you're really looking at it because she is, as I said, this is the third book in the series. So for the first two books in the series, we saw Melly's point of view and Georgie's point of view, and they're Christians. And we've been observing Kay through their eyes. And I've had a, a lot of readers say, finally we get to hear Kay's story because they want to know what made her tick because she's a little bit puzzling and she has this persona but they, you can see this hurt underneath it but so here are Melly and Georgie who have been trying to reach her in their different ways Georgie is very much the let me tell you the four spiritual laws and Melly's more like um, you know I'll be here for you as your friend but I'll wait and as these women have gotten to know and they they've been flight nurses in the battle area through North Africa Sicily Italy southern France for for three years so going through tragedies, going through um, danger, and becoming closer. And as their relationship grows, you know, they're learning how to treat their, you know, desperately needy friend Kay, who, who needs God and refuses to admit it. And so part of it is on the outside looking in and going, ah, this is, 
how should we treat our non-Christian friends? And the other part is on Kay's side. And once she becomes a Christian, now uh, one of my problems with a lot of Christian fiction is that somebody becomes a Christian at the end of the book and everything's happy and sunny. And I found in real life that usually when you become a Christian, life gets harder, not easier. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens with Kay, is that her life actually gets harder. And she becomes a Christian fairly early in the book and then has to work through all the consequences of her, cha- her decision for the rest of the book. And learning to embrace this gift, because even though once she realizes God has forgiven her, it's still not a once-for-all, it is a once-for-all decision, but she doesn't realize it is, and slowly coming into accepting God's forgiveness, which is a different process than actually being forgiven. Mm-hmm. And um, on the other hand, Roger, her the man she falls in love with, has been a Christian for a while, but he has a past also. And while he's accepted God's mercy, he won't accept God's blessings in his life. He still believes he is unworthy because of what he's done in the past. So both of them on this journey is they're getting to know each other and reluctantly falling in love with each other, and both of them realizing that they haven't embraced God's gifts. And I, I find that a lot as a Bible study teacher, that God puts gifts in women's lives, and like, here, I want you to do this. Here, this is for you. And the women back off and go, um, maybe later when I'm a better Christian. Mm-hmm. When I know a little bit more. I'll teach Sunday school when I, when I know more about God. And they back off from this gift because they don't feel inside that they're worthy or good enough. And so this is their journey to, to really accept those gifts. Wow, that is so spot on. Lisa and I talk about this so much because as we are asking women to, to lead and to take on different roles, we mm-hmm. hear that so often that... Um, deep down, they, they feel that I'm not worthy enough. I have yes. to understand the Bible better. I have to understand, you know, God and, and I, I, I have to fix me before I then can go out and pour into others rather than realizing that we are all wounded. We are all broken. And that's how, you know, we grow closer to him is by serving okay. and jumping in and uh, I, I love that. And I love um, how you can be so gifted to take such a message and blend it into a story to make a point. Um, I, I, I will have to admit that sometimes I have a hard time um, being so committed to devotions like I should be in my quiet time because I, I prefer reading books like this, you know, <laughs> France Rivers, you know, books like what you're writing and because it has such a spiritual impact on me and it has such a good spiritual message and you you do feel that that time with the Lord as you're reading what's going on with other people and you're seeing scripture, you know, lined up in there. Yeah, well, Jesus told story. Absolutely. And, and I teach Sunday school, and um, anytime I, I'm standing in front of my, my Sunday school kids, and I say, when I was your age, 
there was this time, and suddenly every eye is fixed on me because, like, oh, teacher Sarah's going to tell a story about when she was a kid. And suddenly they're listening. I mean, I could be quoting Bible verses and all that. But when I start telling a story, boom, they're on me. And there's something about that story because you're relating, and you can really bring that into your life a lot more. There's more reality in it. <laughs> Actually, it's fiction, which is funny. But, but it's, and, and Jesus knew that. He used story to, mm-hmm. to teach principles. Well, Sarah, we have to go. Thank you so much for joining our show. And your book sounds fantastic. We have information on our homepage at Girlfriend at how to, how to connect with you and, and how to get your book. So thank you for joining our show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. Joining us now is Rob Peabody, and Rob left his position as lead campus pastor of a mega church in Texas in 2011 and moved with his wife and their two sons to the UK. He is now the co-founder and director of Awaken, a nonprofit organization that exists to provide resources and creativity to the church and reach the 20s and 30s with the gospel. In addition, Rob has written a small group film series Series entitled Kingdom Rise, which was released in March of 2013. So welcome, Mr. Peabody. How are you? 
Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm doing really well. Awesome. I have to tell you, Rob, that um, Mr. Peabody, um, it, obviously you were in the United States, so you've probably heard all the fabulous jokes um, uh, because uh, he was a beagle, a very, very intelligent beagle. Did you know this? No, I, I am well aware. I, <laughs> I um, What's funny is that movie came out in London before it came out in America, and so I was you know, I used it as a joke when I was introducing myself on stage, and I came to America and was speaking there, and apparently the movie hadn't come out yet, and so I looked like an idiot. Like, <laughs> I could make all these jokes, and everybody's just like, uh-huh, looking at me real funny, but, well, yeah, so I, I'm sorry to disappoint. I'm not a, I'm not a Harvard-trained dog genius. I'm, I apologize. That's funny. Well, especially if your audience is the 20s and 30s, um, which is great, because that that is such a fabulous group to really um, focus on. And um, I'm assuming that you're older than the 20s and 30s because you have three kids and you were the lead pastor at a megachurch. But although your picture puts you in the, like, easily in the 20-year-old range. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, um, I'm actually 33. It's an old picture, but I'm barely older than the 20s yeah <laughs> well we're all about using that picture that makes us look younger but i'll just tell there you, you that, that, that works <laughs> <laughs> this is oh. so exciting we want to know first of all we, we just want to dive in and talk about the title of your book is called citizen your role in the alternative kingdom because um we are very passionate about passing the baton on and to the the 20s and 30s and i know here in in america um there was a group that formed called Phoenix One, and it was an incredible, um, like a, basically a mega worship time, and it was packed, like thousands of kids in their 20s and 30s that wasn't under one umbrella of the church. It was all the churches that were coming together saying, yes, we're going to pour in and uh, make sure that, that there's a place for the, you know, this era to go to the millennials and it just now recently went under. And so it's, it just breaks your heart. So tell us about, about your book, um, citizen. Yeah. Um, that's, that's fascinating that you just said that because I was just talking to a guy who's trying to do the same kind of thing in Dallas. So I know that's a big, a new movement that's happening, but my book, uh, citizen is all about, finding your role in the alternative kingdom. And I use that language to speak about this, the Jesus way of life that, that when Jesus died and was resurrected, um, not only when we find salvation in Jesus and by grace through faith, you know, we enter into a relationship with him. Um, but not only at that point are we given a get out of hell free card, you know, we have our ticket for eternity, um, but Ed, or also along with that, we are invited into doing something with the rest of our life. And we're invited into uh, being a part of being a kingdom bringer um, into our society, into our world, into the places God has given us. And so um, we start with that analogy in the book because I feel like for a lot of people, especially in the church in the Western world, I see it in London, I saw it in Texas, see it all across the States, um, you know, our relationship with Jesus can often be, oftentimes be reduced down to, I've got my free ticket to get out of hell. Now I'm kind of in a cosmic holding pattern 
where I just kind of live my life and try to be a little bit moral, a little bit nicer person, uh, maybe sin a little less and tithe my money somewhere. And then we then, and we get sold short that we end up living for the status quo. But there's so much more about living a life uh, for the kingdom of God and relationship with Jesus that he's inviting us into. And so that's, that's where citizen begins and kind of takes um, the reader through. Um, this is now your new identity. This is who you are in Jesus, and this is actually what his big plan is for all of humanity, for all of history, that he's inviting you now into to go and be an ambassador for him. Well, it is interesting because we, we have been very excited about talking about this with you because there is such an identity crisis that happens um, among those who follow Jesus because, like you said, we tend to get very complacent, and especially living here in, in America, it, we we value comfort and convenience mm. and safety. And when you travel abroad, those are not terms and words that um, other believers would use or value necessarily because they're not real to them, because their world is very different. So I think just the challenge of looking at what is living for the kingdom and in the kingdom of God, what does that really look like separate from other identities that we may carry, whether it's a national nationalities or relationships or whatever those identities could be. So this is such a great topic and conversation to go, really, what does living your faith in the kingdom look like? And what determines that is, do we just absorb values around us? Or do we truly follow the teachings of Jesus? Um, I just have a question. You, you always hear that, you know, like in, in Europe, and even in the UK, that Christianity or and, and, I, and not even that word, but just following Jesus um, is not really something people pursue. Um, you, you hear of, you know, cathedrals and churches becoming more museums, that kind of thing. What are you seeing with the church there in the UK and even in Europe? Are you seeing any kind of resurgence and openness or are people very much like, uh, you know, been there, tried that? Yeah, yeah, it's what well, you're really you're very correct in in your observations and what you've heard and yeah, it's you know, I mean, I left the buckle of the Bible belt there in Dallas and um very insulated in that world and then leave that bubble to come over here to London and in the UK. And um yeah, the statistics all prove exactly what you're saying. I mean, uh less than 2% evangelical Christians in the UK. Um the really alarming statistic is that if you are in your 20s in the UK, there's a 99% chance that you've never met a follower of Jesus in your entire life. And so, I mean, it's it is very post-Christian, post-modern. We are you have to go back multiple generations to people's grandparents to find people who have an accurate view of what Jesus and the church is all about. And so um, it's, it's a spiritually uh, much darker place than we see in most places in the States. And um, it's really, it's pretty sad because this was the original place where the missionaries were being sent out from in the first place. And now we're, we're back re-evangelizing um, people who are very far uh, from God. But there is a bit of a resurgence that is happening, like you alluded to, and there's um, there's a lot of new initiatives and new church planting, new ways of doing church um, to try to reach the people, but it looks much more now uh, like first century church, like the book of Acts, of communities of people going out and, and living that out and looking differently uh, and inviting people into this community. And it's almost like they belong to it before they become a follower of Jesus. We're finding a lot of, of work like that. Um, and so much, you have to get away from 
the uh, the structures or the systems or the four spiritual laws or the different things like that that we used in the states um, in order to to talk more about a, a bigger story with people and what that might look like and what their life is all about. It's interesting. I, when I just was visiting in England, I have a, a niece that was there doing some church planting. And in conversation with, and th- this is probably just my skewed perspective, but I always see uh, the English as being on the, the higher IQ, <laughs> just more on the intellectual. <laughs> the accent, I know. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny because I, I was it just as ha- having these conversations, I felt like they were Christ followers under a more emotional um, mm. movement. And uh, do you do you find that there? Like now, okay, we're done with all the intellectual aspects of it, and I and I felt mm. as though reading the Bible, and you know, it could have just been this particular culture. Um, they didn't necessarily have the Bible knowledge, but they had that. I'm ready to leap for my faith. Sure. Yeah. No. That's 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 a great observation because. What I'm finding is is most of the people we're dealing with and all across the UK that I'm, I'm seeing in the different networks and denominations is that, yeah, they have been through uh, the intellectualism of, of the Bible and the academics and the theology, and now the, the real groups that are doing something that, that are seeing growth and seeing kingdom things begin to happen are the more experiential, more almost charismatic streams of the church, which which, yes, is more about... Uh, following the leadership of the Spirit and embracing and and experiencing that in their lives. And so um, a lot of my friends who are pastoring, who are planting, who are doing things like that, um, it's definitely coming out of that stream where they're seeing a lot of new new works of the Spirit happen. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you, um, we, we're going to have to take a break in just a couple of minutes here, but there's so much to talk about with you, Rob. Um, and because you've had, like, when, even when you were uh, the lead pastor over here in the States and you kind of came to some life realization that really started, I, it sounds like, kind of changed the trajectory of your ministry and your life that kind of took you, at, I mean, you drastically, you, you moved to another country as a result, which is, is just amazing how your faith literally took you overseas. Um, and, and we only have like one minute before we go to the break, but can you just kind of give us like a little glimpse into what, what like sparked that and what did that look like? Yeah, it's, I can, I'll make it really short. I was in Jerusalem and, um, I was actually had just a God given moment of clarity. I was with my mentor and we were talking about my life and I was just finished seminary and done my master's degree and was working in the uh, mega church and had opened a new campus and was leading that. And I just realized that I felt like God was showing me that as a church and as a movement of people in the conservative Bible Belt and the evangelical world that we had missed our Jerusalem. And when you go to Acts 1-8, you see that um, these last words on earth, you know, you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I realized that we did a really good job of sending mission trips and money overseas, but we were we were scared and um, ignorant of what's even going on in our own communities. And so what would it look like for us to be kingdom bringers right where? And so I can tell you more about that here in a second. Well, that that's exactly, that's a great, uh, such a great topic to talk about. And it, just an idea and how when God really does get a hold of your heart and shows you something, like you have that aha moment for him yeah. and how it, 
you know, just what, what is required of us and when we have that. So we're going to stop right now, take a quick break. And when we return, we'll be back, still joined with Rob Peabody, author of the book, Citizen, Your Role in the Alternative Kingdom. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. Joining us now, we have Rob Peabody. And Rob left his position in Texas as a lead pastor um, back in 2011, and he moved to the UK, which is just amazing when people just up and uh, leave the United States because they feel called by God. He is also a co-founder now at, and director of Awaken, a nonprofit organization that exists to provide resources and creativity to the church and reach the 20 to 30 somethings with the gospel. So, Rob, we've been um, just chatting about. Um, how you have these conversations with um, your friends and with other people in um, I, I totally, totally lost my my train of thought of what I was going to say because we were having a great conversation with you on the on the commercial break, and I actually wanted to hear uh, more about that. So <laughs> I actually uh, we, we were talking about how um, just your your faith here in the United States, um, how we really do need that 
that awakening. Um, so tell yeah. us a little bit more that you're seeing the difference between the United States and then going into the UK and what we can do here in the U.S. to to basically um, quit living in that that mediocre life as a Christian. Sure, sure, and yeah, I I think you know moving from. Texas, being in Dallas, living there almost my entire life, and being in ministry there, um, I kind of found myself in a bubble that I didn't really know I was in the bubble until I left, if that makes any sense. And so you come over to the UK and you start realizing that over here, um, you're an outsider because I'm not from Britain, I'm not English, um, I'm a colonial, as they say, and and so I'm uh, jumping into life here, and you realize that the biggest thing you can ever be is like an an acceptable outsider, which is kind of what I call us these days. Um, But something really interesting happens because you start viewing the U.K. and even the church culture over here as an outsider, but then you also have new perspective back into the place that you came from, so back into the U.S., back into the Bible Belt, back into And I start realizing that a lot of the things that I said and did and how I operated, um, even as a pastor, um, a lot of those were cultural Southern Bible Belt Christianity things and not necessarily uh, the gospel or the, the kingdom way of life that Jesus is calling. And they weren't bad, but I just started going through this identity crisis of like, well, why do I do and say the things and think the way I do? Is it because I'm an American? Is it because I'm an American Christian? Or is it because I'm a follower of Jesus, like a Christian? And I think those three things bleed over into one another quite often. And for me, it came to a realization that for a lot of us, and, and for me personally growing up in the Bible Belt, um, I, I don't think I fully knew who I was in Jesus. And I, and I, I would argue that a lot of us, that might be going to church all the time, might be attending church and going through the routines and doing all of the, the good, quote-unquote, Christian things that are all great, um, but we might not necessarily know who we are uh, in Jesus. And when we can find that, we can start living uh, expectantly, and we can claim that identity for ourselves and that power of the Spirit and be invited into this this bigger grand story that God is already up to in the world, and he's now equipped us, and he has changed our identity. He's given us confidence and security for us to go and to be kingdom bringers right where we live. And so you don't have to move to London. You don't have to move to Africa or China. Like right where you are in the place God has placed you, whether it's being a teacher or a stay-at-home mom or even an engineer, whatever you are, God has you there for a reason, and he has transformed your heart by the gospel to go and be a transforming agent of grace and of kingdom power right where you are. And so seeing your life through that lens that that Jesus now invites us into, I think is the other half of the gospel story that so often we miss out on because we just get stuck in the motions. Well, that is an excellent tip. You you made a comment about living expectantly. Uh, I know hmm. Lisa and I we both grew up in the church as well, and you know we laugh because we can go back. There's so many things you can go back and laugh. You know, Wednesday night sitting there at prayer meetings and being bored out of your mind and truly not expecting God to show up. So to say that, it's like we don't expect God as Christians. And and you talk about in your book, Citizens of the Kingdom, that we should be the most risk-taking people on the planet. And I, I think that's kind of what you're you're talking about. It's like but we because we, we become so complacent. So what do you mean by that? 
Yeah, that's and that quote keeps getting getting stuck out, which is great. I love it. Um, uh, what I mean is that you know, if we really believe that all about what Paul says in Romans about you know when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, that that we were united with Christ in His death and then resurrected with Him in in life, um, in His resurrection, and so we're united with Him. And so, what I mean is is that we are people who are now these citizens of the kingdom who have already died, in a sense. And so we have nothing to fear, nothing. We know the promises for our future. We know where we're headed. And we can be freed up to be the most risk-taking people on the planet because we know who we are and Jesus. And our confidence comes from that. And and I think that chapter on risk-taking, um, it all came out of just my experiences in the past and just being – uh, almost, I guess, bored a lot of times in churches that I would go to because people are so fearful and they're so apathetic and and they just, it's almost like we're just buying time in this holding pattern until Jesus comes back or we die. But instead, like, we are, we're, we're wasting our life in a sense because there's so much more that that Jesus has saved us for. And so if we can understand that, we can we can be this unstoppable force of a revival for the kingdom of God across the nation, but we've got to get over these fears and really claim who we are. Well, and, and you know, a lot of times our faith, or people look at believers and they go, you're defined more by what you stand against and then what yeah. you are that what you believe in and so you know the teachings it goes back just the teachings of jesus you know what if we all embrace the teachings of jesus and most people in the world will acknowledge him whether you know he's a, he was a good man or he was a prophet and so they will acknowledge that jesus teachings are are good to to live by but too many times we we want to project all these rules and regulations onto people and we reduce um, our faith to, like you said, just kind of very bland and what we don't do. And it really is about changing that, the story we tell about Jesus, basically, and, and having people see him in a different way. And then, But we have to see him first. It starts with us and, and our own heart. And, and just what you, you've talked about in the journey and coming alive and wanting more and expecting is so significant to all of that. Um, what what would you, with, with this whole movement, what what would you want people, first of all, we want to make sure that people can find you and learn sure. more about your resources and your book. So when, we have it on our website at Girlfriended, um, but also how can people find out more and more about the Awaken movement here and abroad? Sure. Yeah. For the book, for Citizen, they can go to citizenthebook.com, and that'll have all of the information there on where to find it and some uh, films about it. And then if you go to awakenmovement.com, that has all of the information about our ministry and all of our resources and ways that you can plug in and get involved with us. And uh, really, at the end of the day, we are... We're trying to come alongside churches and followers of Jesus or Bible study groups or whoever and say, look, help us or allow us to help you identify who you are in Jesus. And and here's some practical steps and some films or some music um, to help you along this journey so that you can begin uh, living your faith out and putting action to your faith so you're being the church outside the walls of the church. And that's what it's really all about. 
is really and, and you know challenging us to really live our faith and make a difference and in our and our cultures like you said whatever you're doing you don't have to radically move across the world but just where are you at in your world this day where are you expecting god and i know i know years ago patty and i one of the things when we first started doing our ministry was we had read experiencing god you know henry blackaby and it's mm-hmm. like we're yes. Where do you see God working? And, uh, you know, for uh, sadly, you know, we, we it was like an uh, one of those aha things going, wow, I have to think about that. And I shouldn't have to think about it. I should go, let me tell you where I see God working. And so that was such a, a, a catalyst for change, you know, for each one of us just going, okay, we, you know, how do we create those environments where people are experiencing God continually? It's, it's just part of, you know, like breathing where we're just joining him. And so that it really is our challenge to just be, and I think it comes a lot what you said, like expecting, expecting God. Mm-hmm. Well, it, we just have this, this got by so fast. We just have about two minutes. So we have to have to conclude our show. What do you want our listeners to walk away with? What is something you just you, you want to make sure that that they hear. Sure, sure. I, and I would say I think it's it's mostly um, an exhortation or a challenge of to really um, live a life beyond mediocrity. And 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 we 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 should be the most joy filled life giving life filled joyful people um, because of the gospel. And and so when we find ourselves in a rut and we find ourselves. Um, just going through the motions. I mean, that happens. We have different seasons of that. But um, I think what people need to hear is that God absolutely loves you so much and cares so much for you that he died in your place. And he died in your place so that you can live a life uh, that is glorifying to him and is giving him honor and glory so that you are out there living as a kingdom bringer in your community. And that, that is the point of of your salvation. And that is, that's what God has, has died for and wants to invite you into. And so uh, I would challenge people with that to go and explore that and to pray that for themselves and begin asking the spirit to show them ways and areas where they can really begin to live this out. And maybe, maybe first examine who they really are in Jesus and what the gospel has done for them. And then take the next step to not just show up at church every week, but to start uh, being an agent of change right where you are. And that is such a great reminder for all of us to really be an agent of change right where we are. And it, it can start today. And so many times we want to go, well, like we said earlier, when I get this right or when, you know, I have this past me, then I can. And it's like we can start today and we can start right now. And it, it is what, like what you said. And, and that whole identity thing is so um, significant and important because we do, we can lose our identity really easy and not even realize that that we've shifted or we've allowed other things to influence us that we're not even aware of. Like we, like you said earlier about just our, even our own uh, culture, how that dictates our faith instead of allowing our faith to dictate our culture. So thank you, Rob, so much for joining our show and for taking the time just to be obedient to God. And, and, you know, with the Awaken movement and with your book, it has been delightful to talk to you. And, and for your, our listeners, you can find out more information about today's show and about our guests, Sarah and Rob, on our site at GirlfriendIt.com. Thank you for joining the conversation. We look forward to talking with you again. Have a remarkable day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It. 
The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 